0: The gigantic government sucks. Pursuit of happiness, radio is deluxe. Liberty and freedom will make you smile. The pursuit of happiness on your radio dial. Just a cheeseburgers and liberty fries. It's the pursuit of happiness time. Question. Question for you guys. What was Dianne Feinstein's favorite flower before she died? Apparently, it was forget-me-nots because she definitely didn't have dementia. I'm getting ahead of myself. Hi, everybody. Kenny Webster. Welcome to the show. It is Monday afternoon. It's awesome to have you guys here. Special thanks to everybody that came out last weekend to the Texas Youth Summit. It was really cool meeting a lot of you. And to those of you that came last night to the, what was it, Um, uh, Love Heals Youth. We had a really cool event last night as well to help out foster kids up in the Spring, Texas area. It's a very awesome weekend, spending it with like-minded individuals and people that love America. And it's just, you know, it's always love heals you with a really awesome group, by the way. And thank you for so much for supporting them. I have a lot of show in store for you today. We're going to be taking a trip down to the border with Tony Ortiz from currentrevolt.com and getting you the latest on all the information from Colony Ridge. You've probably heard about this illegal migrant housing community developing in northeast houston will tell you about it plus there's some news that the texas dps has been labeling in their database black sex offenders as being white and we're going to try to understand how frequently this is happening as well as why plus over the weekend on friday actually kind of late breaking news right before the weekend chapter 87 on Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo. What does that mean? It means they're going to remove her from office. Well, they're going to try. Will they be able to do it? I don't know. We'll find out. And we may have one of the attorneys here in a little bit who's responsible for that. But before we get to any of that, let's talk about Dianne Feinstein. Dianne Feinstein is dead. Rest in peace. The 90-year-old woman, one of the richest and oldest people in the history of our federal government, has passed away. And Feinstein actually... Feinstein actually has an absurd amount of money right up to the time of her death. So weeks ago, she signed over power of attorney to her daughter, meaning her daughter would make all of her financial decisions and decide, you know, personal decisions for the late senator while she was still alive, that is. And Senator Diane Feinstein couldn't make decisions for herself, but she could make decisions for hundreds of other millions of other people. Does that make any sense to you? It shouldn't. It definitely shouldn't. Now, if you're wondering what killed her, it definitely wasn't dementia. How do we know? Just ask the L.A. Times. Well, this is very concerning. A lot of people think it was dementia. And it certainly seems like it might have been dementia because if you watch this woman in action when she was doing her job, it didn't seem like her brain was working most of the time. But Diane Feinstein's cause of death, as the L.A. Times reported, has not been disclosed. But it probably wasn't dementia. How do they know? They don't know. They just want that to be true, because if it's not true, that would mean that a lot of the votes that she placed near the end of her life are null and void, that they're problematic, that it's a person that didn't have the mental facilities to actually be voting. So why was she placing votes in the Senate? It's a good question. But all that being said, we don't know. We do know she's dead. She's gone. She's not coming back. And at the time of her death, she had about $100 million and a $60 million Gulfstream G650 jet. It's a very expensive private aircraft that she would use to travel around from from mansion to mansion, as you know, as women who make two hundred thousand dollars a year often do, <laughs> <'Cause> that's because <laughs> that's what you do, right? It's like, all right, well, hang on a minute. How'd she get all that money? For the record, she was married to a billionaire. His name was Richard C. Bloom. This guy's dead now. He was an investor, not terribly different from. Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband. We spend a lot of times talking about the weird relationship between Paul and Nancy and what looks an awful lot like the government equivalent of insider trading, but nobody ever talked about it with Richard C. Bloom and Diane Feinstein, equally as suspicious. Now, he died over a year, year, year ago. He was a billionaire, and apparently he left a lot of his money to his kids. He had three kids, but he left some of it to his wife. That's Diane, and there's not supposed to be anything suspicious about that nothing there's nothing suspicious about it unless of course you count the fact that bloom had government contracts and business dealings with the people's republic of china and his wife voted on trade deals with the chinese communist party that actually would have benefited her husband financially no big deal nothing to see here oh by the way did i mention that richard bloom had a 75 percent stake in a contractor called tudor perini one of the largest general contractors in the united states and he was a, a a very important person there. They received assets in military industrial complex contracts in Iraq and Afghanistan. And again, I'm sure a senior senator in the Democrat Party who got a lot of money from the military industrial complex wasn't using that influence to help benefit her husband, who was making money off the military industrial complex. Nothing to see here. Oh, and then in 2009... Feinstein introduced legislation to provide $25 billion in taxpayer money to the FDIC. It's a government agency that awarded her husband's real estate firm, CB Richard Ellis. And I'm again, again, move along, kids. Nothing suspicious about it, except for everything, except for literally everything that's suspicious about it. And it just goes to show you, you can make $200,000 a year working for the government and somehow become worth hundreds of millions of dollars and have a private jet. Of course, you know, you may have to sleep with a billionaire along the way, but so what? He'll get rich too. All that being said, what happens next? Governor Gavin Newsom of California has to replace Senator Dianne Feinstein. So he did. He replaced her with a woman named Lafonza Butler. And Lafonza Butler is everything the Democrat Party wanted her to be. She's black. She's a lesbian. She loves abortion. I'm running out of stuff here. But those three things are pretty big. What she's not is a resident of California. No, 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 no. She actually lived in Baltimore, Maryland. And has been there for a while. And I find it kind of remarkable. Let's say there's 40 million people in California. Right? And let's say maybe 12% of the population is black. It's probably less than that in California. But let's just, you know, that's what it is on a national level. And 10% of Americans are gay or lesbian or whatever. So let's just say conservatively or generously, perhaps, we could say that that there's 100,000 black lesbians in California. Right? Maybe. You're telling me amongst that, among that whole flock of black lesbians, you couldn't find one lawyer to take this job you had to go to baltimore maryland why well it turns out lafonza is part of a group called the what are they called the the emily's list it's just a bunch of emily's list is simply just a bunch of female democrat politicians who love them some sm- smish and on emily's list website they actually removed the line in, a, in lafonza's biography that stated that she lived in maryland they didn't want you to know that internet archives reveal a now removed section of her biography that said she lives in maryland with her partner Naneki lee and their daughter nyla because of course that's what their names are i'm kenny webster you're listening to pursuit of happiness radio we're just getting warmed up stick around you are listening to the pursuit of happiness radio pursuit of happiness we don't have that in mexico All right, so I'm not going to spend the whole show talking about Diane Feinstein, but she died, so I guess she won't be winning the Golden Bachelor. That's very sad. I know. She, is that who you were betting on in the? It's a, did you not get that joke? It's a reality TV show about elderly people dating. And okay, now you get it. It's not funny to explain the joke, is it? But all that being said, I'm not. I'm not going to spend the whole show talking about Diane Feinstein. I don't care about her that much. I don't even live in California, but. She was not a good person. And I know, you know, as Republicans and conservatives and people on the right, we're often a little more respectful of the dead than people on the left are. I'm not going to like, she's been dead for days now. And and there's this report today I was just looking at at Reason.com and it details all the different ways that she was authoritarian on drugs and guns and national security. She was consistently authoritarian. There's nothing about this person that a a classic liberal would appreciate, which begs the question, how did Democrats keep electing her? Shelley seemed to err on the side of more government. Let's talk about that for a minute. During Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's 2018 confirmation hearing, Senator Dianne Feinstein asked him to reconcile his conclusion that, quote, assault weapon bans are unconstitutional with, quote, the hundreds of school shootings using assault weapons that have taken place in recent history, end quote. This was just classic Feinstein. Combining her, her, her support for arbitrary gun laws with blatant misinformation and, and a logical non sequitur. She did this for years. She died on Thursday night, but in 1994, she wrote that federal assault weapon ban. It prohibited the importation, the manufacturing, the distribution, the possession of semi-automatic guns that she falsely claimed were uniquely suitable for mass murder. She was a liar. None of this was true. The distinction drawn by that law never made any sense. Feinstein was determined to reinstate the ban after it expired in 2004. Thank God it didn't. She proposed a bunch of new laws, supposedly improved versions of her terrible old law. So she always dedicated herself to very constitutionally dubious gun control policy. Nothing practical about it, nothing logical about it. And it would be one thing if she, you know, she's a liberal, she's a Democrat, of course she's going to hate your gun rights, but it's interesting too to think that as far to the left as she supposedly was, she was also a, a huge supporter of the war on drugs and mass surveillance in the name of national security. And she was ready and willing to restrict your right to free speech. Consistently authoritarian. Authoritarian. Again, I ask you, what did Democrats like about her? So going back to that exchange between Diane Feinstein and Brett Kavanaugh, there was a window into the way she thought about public policy. Diane Feinstein demanded an explanation for Brett Kavanaugh's dissent from a 2011 decision in which the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit upheld the District of Columbia's so-called assault weapon ban. And he, he noted in in his opinion that he wrote at the time, the DC law, much like Feinstein's bill, covered a quote, half hazard set of arbitrarily selected guns with no particular explanation, no rationale for why some made the list and others did not. It was very political. Kavanaugh made the point that the ban was inconsistent with, with pre existing laws, with pre existing court cases. For example, the District of Columbia versus Heller, it was a 2008 case in which the Supreme Court recognized that the Second Amendment guarantees an individual right to armed self-defense. And the Second Amendment also guarantees that, doesn't it? So, so Brett Kavanaugh tried to explain this to Diane Feinstein at the time. What he said was that the, the ruling, D.C. versus Heller, says the Second Amendment protects the right to keep handguns for self-defense. And it allows, it allows that bans on dangerous, unusual weapons... Namely, firearms that are not in common use for lawful purposes would be constitutional. So most handguns are semi-automatic. The question was, can you distinguish, as a matter of precedent, between semi-automatic handguns and semi-automatic rifles? And he pointed out semi-automatic rifles are widely possessed in the United States. There are millions of them. To Brett Kavanaugh, that meant the guns that Feinstein wanted to ban were in common use They were used for lawful purposes, self-defense, hunting, for example. So possession of them was protected by the Second Amendment, despite what Dianne Feinstein was saying. Feinstein was not actually interested in Brett Kavanaugh's legal reasoning. That had nothing to do with this. So she asked a very silly question. She asked, quote, how do you reconcile what you've just said with the hundreds of school shootings using assault weapons that have taken place in recent history? And that had nothing to do with anything. Now, uh, Besides the fact that she wildly inflated the actual number of mass shootings at schools, much less wildly inflated the number of mass shootings at schools with or without so-called assault weapons, the question was just nonsensical. Handguns are by far the most common used weapon in firearm-related homicides, including mass shootings. But that's not what they're trying to outlaw. So... In the case with the Supreme Court, Heller versus D.C., they upheld constitutional rights to own these for self-defense, despite the fact that they were used sometimes in dangerous circumstances. So what? That's sad. I'm sorry about that. You still have a constitutional right. There, there's obviously a difference between empirical, the empirical question of how often a particular category of firearms is used to commit serious crimes and the legal question of whether that category is covered by the Second Amendment. But Diane Feinstein either didn't care or didn't see it that way. She either did not understand or she was just determined to obscure that distinction. She preferred an emotional appeal to anything resembling a logical argument about pre-written laws and pre-existing court cases. And it wasn't the first time she did this. She showed the same impatience with legal issues, with the legal you know, the legal framework of how our government works in a 2013 exchange with a guy from Texas, a senator. No, not John Cornyn, another guy named Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz joined with Kavanaugh in questioning the constitutionality of her pet legislation, her silly attempts at restricting your access to gun laws. And at the time, Diane Feinstein said, she said, I'm not a, a sixth grader, she told Ted Cruz. She was saying this in response to some lecture that he gave, as she put it. On gun rights, She said, I'm not a lawyer. I've been up close and personal to the Constitution, but I'm not a lawyer. Yeah, obviously. But aside from her suggestion that assault weapon bans, as she puts it, fall under exceptions recognized in that Heller v. D.C. case, Feinstein's supposed intimacy with the Constitution, it did not yield any relevant insights. Democrats only like the Constitution when it suits them. They're happy to trample on it the rest of the time. So how, at the time, in 2013, did Feinstein dispute Senator Cruz's defense of gun rights? She she appealed to her personal experience with gun violence, starting with a day way back in 1978, when Dan White used a revolver to kill San Francisco Mayor George Moscone and a supervisor named Harvey Milk. It's an old... It was very big news at the time. It was before my time. She said at the time, Senator, I've been on the Senate Judiciary Committee for 20 years. I was a mayor for nine years. I walked in. I saw people shot. I've looked at bodies that have been shot with these weapons. I've seen the bullets that implode and Sandy Hook youngsters were dismembered. Okay, in short, if you think Americans have a right to own guns that can be used to kill innocent people, you hate children and you want them to die according to Dianne Feinstein. Is it logical? No. Is it smart? No, it's very stupid. When it came to drug policy, Dianne Feinstein was equally detached from reality. I want to make something clear here. Some conservatives that listen to this radio station sometimes get uncomfortable with my opinions about drug laws. I don't, I don't generally agree with the war on drugs. Tell you what, quick break. We'll talk about that and a lot more right after this. Stick around. You'll, you'll enjoy yelling at your radio when this commercial breaks over. Live from Texas, broadcasting across the People's Republic of America, this is Pursuit of Happiness Radio with Ken Webster, Jr., a.k.a. Producer Kenny. Keep it here. Megan Merkel is considering running for Dianne Feinstein's Senate seat, according to a bunch of reports online. Though if she were to win, she would not be the first princess to serve in the Congress. I'm guessing that title belongs to Cory Booker. Just a guess. Hey, welcome back from break. I'm Kenny Webster. Great being here with you guys. We've been talking about Diane Feinstein, and I told you guys I wasn't going to talk about Diane Feinstein the whole show, and I've already talked about her longer than I promised I would, so we'll make this quick. But Dianne Feinstein, despite being a lifelong progressive Democrat, was a hawk on drug laws. She was, she was one of the biggest advocates for the drug war. As we look back on her life, I think it's important to remember some of these very powerful Democrats who have gone a long way being supported by, you know, people that are supposedly for criminal justice reform, put a lot of people in prison for some silly rules. We've been talking about this report from Jacob Solomon. One of thing the things it details is how when it came to drug policy, Diane Feinstein was just absolutely undaunted by facts and logic. What was that? A uh, pseudephedrine, right? She was all about the restrictions on pseudoephedrine. You know, as drugs for cold and allergy medicine. It's, she wanted this stuff to be very difficult to use because people were using it to make meth. And I get that. You know, you, could, you can make it difficult to get it. But, but at the end of the day, we're talking about what, like Sudafed? I Hey, I don't want people to do meth either. I understand. She joined Chuck Grasley in proposing legislation that aimed to get rid of the the mythical threat of candy flavored meth did you know that candy flavored meth was never really a thing i know both conservative media and the mainstream media talk, but never really as far as i know there was never any candy flavored meth it was a, it was a myth and she opposed legislation of recreational marijuana in california i told you guys before we went to break some of you may not agree with some points i'm going to make here because you know i'm a liberty republican maybe you're more conservative than me but I don't have a problem with recreational marijuana. It's a plant. If you get a prescription from your doctor for medical marijuana, that's one thing. If you're a fully grown adult and you want to eat a gummy while you watch cartoons on Saturday night, watch a, a Mel Brooks movie, who cares? Well, Diane Feinstein cared. And most Democrat voters would have disagreed with her on this, but amazingly, they voted for her anyway. And she worried that the Justice Department was not responding aggressively enough to marijuana legalization in places like Colorado and Washington. She's on the record. Even on medical use of marijuana, 38 states currently allow it, including a lot of red states, including red states in the South. Feinstein did not yield an inch. In 2015, she was the only Democrat on the Senate Appropriations Committee who voted against a spending rider that bars the Justice Department from interfering with those laws. She argued that the violence fostered by prohibition was a good reason for the government to redouble its efforts to discourage drug use. She was ever eager to expand the war on drugs, whether the target was imitation marijuana or four loco. Four loco is a weird. do you remember that? It was uh, basically an, a, a, a carbonated alcoholic beverage in a can that had caffeine in it. And they said, "Oh, that's very unhealthy. It could kill people." So they made it illegal. But you know what they didn't make illegal? Red Bull and Vodka, it's the same thing. You could still do Four loco, you just can't buy it pre-made. Does that make any sense? I don't think so. You're welcome to disagree. In addition to gun violence and drug abuse, fine, this is one of the things about her I dislike the most. She was worried a lot about national security, an area where she likewise displayed little concern for civil liberties. Recently, Sheila Jackson Lee bragged about how great the Patriot Act was on social media. Which is remarkable because the congresswoman from Houston, who's currently running for mayor in the city, voted against the Patriot Act back in the day. Now she's bragging that it's great that it passed and taking credit for supporting it. But I'm getting off subject here. Dianne Feinstein dismissed revelations about the National Security Agency, the NSA's mass warrantless collection of information about Americans' telephone calls, saying it was just metadata. And that was all stuff that happened as a result of the Patriot Act. Do you remember WikiLeaks? Julian Assange, the guy that helped stop Hillary Clinton from getting to the White House? Diane Feinstein thought the WikiLeaks founder should be prosecuted for publishing classified information of clear public interest, even though it, it, it is something journalists who cover national security routinely do. They celebrate when somebody goes out and publishes Donald Trump's tax returns. But they get really mad when you do it, and it makes them look bad. So so publishing government documents is okay if it hurts Republicans, but not if it hurts Democrats. Do you remember the hysteria over Russian trolls? Dianne Feinstein got all caught up in that. She warned social media companies they'd better do something about disinformation. Or else we will, she said. We being, meaning the government. So this combined two of her favorite interests. She said anyone appropriately suspected of involvement in terrorism should lose their Second Amendment rights based on a reasonable belief. You should lose your gun rights simply because she didn't want you to have a gun. And it didn't matter if you were actually guilty. Even if you didn't use the gun to do terrorism, if they thought you were connected vaguely to somebody that was a terrorist, you should lose your gun rights. And some of you may have mixed feelings about that. I bet you feel a lot differently about it now after january 6th than you did back in the day after 9-11 it's just a good reminder we should have listened to ron paul anyway back to D- feinstein here based on her votes the institute of legislative analysis reports that diane feinstein adhered to a limited government position five percent of the time that she worked in washington dc the best that could be said about her long career as a politician. Is that she pursued policies she can honestly, she honestly thought, would work in the name of causes she t- genuinely cared about, and I, I would bet even at best that's not true. If you've been listening to me for the past forty-five minutes, you heard me explain before how she advocated for all kinds of policies that helped make her billionaire husband richer. It's the reason she had a sixty-million-dollar private jet, even though she only made two hundred thousand dollars a year. Isn't that interesting? But, Diane Feinstein's good intentions produced positions. That almost always seem to err in the favor of more government power and less individual freedom, and for that we say bye bye die bye die, bye bye die. Hey, the Powerball jackpot is officially at one billion dollars. Speaking of billions of dollars, I bet you'd like to make billions of dollars, wouldn't you? Who would? I don't. I've never bought a lottery ticket before. Have you? I'm not really a lottery. am di- I think when I turned. 18, I bought one, but it was like a scratch and win. It was never, I've never really been into lottery tickets, but a billion dollars is a lot of money. And uh, they just drew another without a winner. So I was wondering, hey, Alexa, do we have an Alexa in here? Hey, Alexa, what are my chances of winning the Powerball? The odds of winning the Powerball are one in 292,201,338. In fact, you have a better chance of being hit by a meteorite than winning the Powerball. You have a better chance of becoming a movie star and winning an Oscar. We're winning an Olympic gold medal. We're hitting a hole in one and winning the Masters. You actually have a better chance of becoming an astronaut and walking on the moon. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's what we're saying at all, no. Hey, if you've ever been a big fan of uh, Democrats like diane feinstein this is probably not a good radio show for you and if if i still haven't lost you yet i'm about to make fun of one of diane feinstein's biggest buddies y'all remember hillary and chelsea hillary and chelsea according to a report at breitbart.com today have just been awarded a very unearned emmy emmys did i say emmy plural as executive producers of some dumb documentary that nobody saw hillary and chelsea are gonna get some emmys and this is today's edition of Democrat. Sure got it good, isn't it? Listen to this report. Where am I reading this from? Hollywoodreporter.com. Hillary Clinton, former first lady, senator, secretary of state, Democrat Party presidential candidate, and merchant of death, can now add another feather to her cap. Emmy winner. Her and her daughter made a documentary for Netflix called In Her Hands. Nobody watched it. Nobody cared about it. It's a film about the youngest female mayor in the history of Afghanistan, And uh, on Thursday night, it was awarded the Emmy for Politics and Government Documentary during the second evening of the 44th News and Documentary Emmy Awards. Does it get any more nepo baby than Chelsea Clinton? You know that expression, nepo baby? Emmys are just one more in a long line of golden calves the corrupt establishment uses to award their own. There were four other nominees, but Hillary and Chelsea got this one, because I don't know if you've heard, but Hillary and Chelsea are hillary and chelsea yeah i think that's probably why they won nobel prize pulitzer prize golden globes grammys these golden calves are dangled out there to entice political people to sell their souls to the left and the week always go for it joe scarborough mitt romney it's it's kind of happening to dana perino right now she was part of it too come over to the dark side join us on the dark side (laughs) it's a very dumb prize With a warm feeling of belonging, that's pretty much it, right? Emmys don't have a lot of meaning. I know a lot of people that have won Emmys, and they're not talented, and they don't work hard. None of these people care about merit. It has nothing to do with their win. Hillary and Chelsea are not being awarded for their documentary any more than Barry Obama was awarded for delivering world peace before he took office, any more than Michelle Obama was awarded for doing such a great job reading her autobiography, do you honestly believe Michelle Obama's performance was the very best out of everyone who performed audiobooks they gave her an award for it It's all about awarding the collective and signaling to weak conservatives that there are prizes to be had for selling your soul The whole thing's rigged And because the right has no equivalent it feels like we lose a whole lot more than we do right But honestly what is the attraction other than just the the the, the being a part of the cool kids club. I was nominated some time ago in Houston, Texas for a, a media award. I don't want to call them out by name, but it was news, news producer of the year. So it was several years ago. And I showed up and it was me, a guy from NPR and somebody from, I think a country station or a pop music station. I forget what it was. Guess who won? If you guessed N- NPR, winner, winner, chicken dinner. So back to that Emmy affirmative action for Chelsea and Hillary. Here's the funniest part. It's like that Leah Thomas guy who pretended to be a woman so he could win a bunch of swimming trophies he never could win competing against actual men. Wouldn't have won, would he? Would (laughs) he? Fun and time. I didn't mean to say that. That's funny. Uh, All the documentarians who lost this Emmy to Hillary and Chelsea can't say anything. Just like the girls who lost to Leah Thomas. They have to shut up and take it. They have to stand there with a frozen smile on their face knowing the whole thing was rigged to give a couple of left-wing harlots uh, a a pat on the back only because their politics are correct. I hung out last weekend with Riley Gaines at the Texas Youth Summit. Fantastic public speaker. Brilliant young woman. She worked hard for what she had. She's going to have a long line of success ahead of her, an incredible life. As for Leah Thomas, probably not. As for Chelsea and Hillary, probably more pats on the back coming along their way. Because that's what it means to be a Nepo baby. Free speech lives on. Free speech lives on. Right here on Pursuit of Happiness Radio. Okay. Hey, we're back. Coming up in a little bit, uh, in the next hour, quite a bit going on, as a matter of fact, Tony Ortiz from Current Revolt is going to be stopping by, and we're going to take a trip down to the border. We're also going to head up to Colony Ridge, and we're going to take a close look at what the Texas DPS has been up to. Apparently, they've been labeling black sex offenders in our state's sex offender database as being white. It's a very bizarre thing happening. And we'll try to get to the bottom of that. But before we do any of that, one of the funniest news stories from over the weekend, this big budget dispute with Kevin McCarthy and the Rhinos and liberals versus the conservatives, it was a mess over the weekend. A lot of strange things happened. But easily the funniest part of it was the incident in which Socialist Representative Jamal Bowman, one of the members of the squad, pulled a fire alarm during a vote. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, but... Interrupting a vote is the reason why the January 6th protesters were called quote-unquote insurrectionists. So does that mean Jamal Bowman is an insurrectionist? According to the left, yes. They break it all down for you today at the Examiner. Basically what they're saying is that Representative Jamal Bowman is engulfed in flames of doubt after he was caught blowing the fire alarm in the Cannon building Saturday. This is shortly before the House vote on funding the government. And guess what? They had to evacuate. His actions resulted in an evacuation of the building. So he put out a statement after pulling the fire alarm. Why did you do it, Jamal? He denied any any purposeful wrongdoing. The problem is there's surveillance images of him pulling the firearm. So it's raising a lot of doubt about his explanation. He says, I want to personally clear up confusion surrounding today's events. Today, as I was rushing to make a vote, I came to a door that is usually open for votes, but today would not, would not open. I am embarrassed to admit that I activated the fire alarm, mistakenly thinking it would open the door. I regret this and sincerely apologize for any confusion it caused. End quote. He said this on X, the platform previously known as Twitter. Again, guys, surveillance pictures show Bowman's explanation doesn't make much sense. One image shows Bowman pulling the alarm. Another shows the fire alarm alone on a wall, not next to any other buttons or devices that would open the door. And the images also show Bowman pulling the alarm while standing behind a sign that reads, emergency exit only. I'm pretty sure this guy's seen a fire alarm before. Isn't he a former public educator? Not to mention Bowman's thought process to think it's perfectly logical for a sitting congressman to pull a fire alarm to try to open doors when running late for a vote. That's very bizarre. It's safe to say his credibility is going up in smoke. Thank you. Bowman was a fierce critic of the MAGA movement. Often tried to ridicule and intimidate his political opponents. But after his actions over the weekend, it sounds like there's a need to make fire alarms great again, guys. He's now guilty of the same thing. That the January Six insurrectionists were called insurrectionists for. By the way, I don't think they're insurrectionists. If they were insurrectionists, how did the insurrection end? What did, did with guns ablazing and bombs going off? No, they just meandered off. They went back to their hotels. Anyway, Jamal Bowman's explanation he continues the absurdity here. He says, "I want to be very clear. This was not me in any way trying to delay any vote." It was the exact opposite. I was trying urgently to get to a vote, which I ultimately did, and joined my colleagues in a bipartisan effort to keep the government open. I also met after the vote with the sergeant-at-arms and the Capitol Police at their request, and I explained what happened. My hope is that no one will make more of this than it was. I am working hard every day, including today, to do my job, do it well, and deliver for my constituents." End quote. I mean, come on, guys. Sure, he did. And sure, Bowman's statement is truthful. Sure, of course. Who hasn't pulled a fire alarm in their lives when running late for a very important meeting? It's extremely plausible. Of course. And if anyone believes that, as the saying goes, I have a bridge to sell you on the cheap. Bowman did what socialists do. He attempted to sabotage political opposition he attempted to weaponize a fire alarm to thwart the efforts of his political opponents. Bowman is the exact threat to our nation's democracy that Democrats regularly warn the world about. His antics originate from the original Bolshevik playbook used by communist stalwarts like Vladimir Lenin and Leon Trotsky. In short, he's a Marxist, and he's a danger to the public. Nevertheless, He needs to be held accountable. Jamal did something wrong. Come on, guys. There has to be some punishment for his attempted sabotage. We're not just going to let him get away with this, right? His actions were beneath a congressman's dignity. They were beneath the standards, the values of what we expect from lawmakers and statesmen. The guy has demonstrated his allegiance to democratic socialism, not to America, not to patriotism, not to liberty. He's a toxic strain on the government that directly threatens the constitutional republic they told us people who get in the way of a vote are insurrectionists they he said that his party said that him and his friends told us that using a fire alarm for political purposes it's an it's not just a new low it's it's an act of insurrection and it's par for the course for democratic socialists like bowman or AOC, or Ilhan Omar, or Rashida Tlaib, or what's the other one's name, Ringo Starr, Ayanna Presley. Bowman showed the entire country who he was this weekend. And his revelation was that of a politician that nobody should want. Ever. Remove him from office, punish him. Brutally. You know, know, legally, right? Hold him responsible. Look, criminals do stupid things. They do. Bowman's just as silly as this woman from over the weekend in Wisconsin. This woman in Wisconsin is accused of driving under the influence, getting into an accident, and then drinking a hard seltzer in a gas station after the accident occurred. It's it's an interesting defense, actually. If you get, if you get into a car accident while you're driving drunk, theoretically, something some people will do is sit there and drink alcohol to calm their nerves on the side of the road, and then when it's time to blow into the breathalyzer, you could just argue you were sober during the accident. I mean, it's horrible that people do that. I'm not endorsing it. But here's the victim of the crash confronting DUI suspect Michelle Miller as she grabs a hard cider or hard seltzer and chugs it after the accident that she caused. Go ahead. Play the audio. So why are you trying to buy more alcohol after you done hit my car? Can you not start for reason a four car accident outside your thing? You can't drink that in here. She just literally just had a four-car accident outside your Literally. The cops are outside already. You see them? Oh, my God. These people are ridiculous. All right, here's another one. This guy was blaring guns and roses in his car. This New Jersey man drove his car into a police station while blasting the song, Welcome to the Jungle. Thankfully, nobody was hurt when John Hargreaves drove his car into the building. He's being charged with terrorism, among other things. There's no—hang on. Do we have a recording of that? We do? (laughs) America, fear the government, listen live, listen now to Proceed to Happiness Radio with Ken Webster Jr., producer Kenny.